rolling over to one of the 15 chambers that you're a member of and you're building up that energy, Diane, and you're like, I need to get ready for this meeting. What song is on max volume when you're pulling into the parking lot? You know what? I listen to a lot of talk radio. You ready? Ready. All right. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Well, Kevin, we have the Diane LeClure from Edge Advertising. She's the co-owner. She's also the, was the uh, person of the year, business person of the year with the Webster Chamber. And I also refer to her as my northern mother. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you know that, Diane, but when I start to describe people about you, I, I just say she's like my northern mom, man. Um, I just learned so much from you, Diane. Uh, you took me under your wing. You, you saw me come into the networking field that really, really green and fresh and new, and I didn't know what was going on. I so we were ask you. What's I, that? I heard you before I saw you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get a little fired up from, 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 from time to time. But Diane, we want to start out, we want to throw it all the way back to Du Bois High School. We saw we, we saw that you were a the mighty beavers. <laughs> the, oh, the home of the beavers. <laughs> yes, we saw that you were not only in cheerleading, but in band, in chorus, and you were the treasurer. Who in the heck? got you into everything or who who drove you to be in so many different I don't know fields or different um, activities while growing up it probably happens when you live in a town of 10,000 people (laughs) all right (laughs) everybody has to take on more than one role (laughs) my first question to you Diane is uh fill in the blank here uh we are Penn State (laughs) <laughs> Passed the first test. My sister's a proud Penn State alumni as well. What's your favorite memory down in uh, Happy Valley, uh, like football tailgating memory? Were you cheerleading on the sides also for Penn State? Oh, sure. I went to all the Penn State football games for sure. Um, one of my good memories is the ice cream, the creamery. <laughs> I love ice cream, and they have great ice cream on campus. Retirement job. They have, I think it's a two week program where you can be certified in ice cream making. And we breathed in Minneapolis uh, well, for about five years. And um, they, St. Paul had a ice cream festival and you'd go around and taste different ones. And we found out this one creamery were Penn Staters. And so we went and tasted, it was really good. And, and you know what, it was the early lead of the marble slab where they're mixing them in. That was the first time we had ever seen it. And then um, Cold Stone made it famous. It, yeah, right. right. <laughs> wow, that is, that's awesome. So what, um, obviously going back, uh, kind of, again, learn a little bit more about you. You have the, the, the music background. I'm sure you can still do a cartwheel from your cheerleading days as well. <laughs> um, but what, what, what instrument did you play and what made you choose that particular instrument? Oh, wow. Um, I chose clarinet. I can't even remember why. It was probably just like with my kids, the, the instructors sort of try to balance out the band, right? And they say, okay, we need this. And then I went to oboe, and then I went to E-flat clarinet, and then I played flute, and I also play piano and organ. 
Oh, my. oh, just throw that one in there, too. I could hardly read the music, so I was never, and I never wanted to practice either. So uh, my mom spent a lot of money on piano lessons, and I don't even know how to play it. So yeah, I got five bucks a week to join orchestra. Oh, wow. Oh, good. Your first time. Yes. And I had a, a sweet girl beside me write every note on top of my note for about three years until I became like first or second chair. And she says, Tyler, I think it's time for you to learn to have, you know, read some notes. So. And what, and what was it in orchestra? What was the instrument? Violin. Violin. Yeah. Or the fiddle, you know, different, different side, oh. different styles you can play. You can either slur it a lot, get a little, you know, country fiddle in there or or you can make the thing weep, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, I had my girls playing violin when they were young, and it's the Suzuki method, you know, it's before you could read. So they were in preschool, and that was fun. So I could play out Twinkle Twinkle Little Star as good as they could. <laughs> and well, hey, we want to go back. So we also saw you worked at Honeywell. So you were in corporate America for a while, it looked like. Um, and so coming from corporate, did you learn, what, what did you learn most about corporate America uh, on the good side of things? Well, you know, um, ownership, building ownership of whatever you're trying to do within your organization. Um, I started off with Honeywell in human resources and the department heads were really good at working with line management and getting them on board and then having them be the voice to their colleagues as we took new initiatives forward. So Kevin, you probably can relate to some of that, right? With yeah, definitely being in the, the HR side, I wanted to get into that uh, with you because I saw that you also won um, uh, the almost like a top talent award for Honeywell. So yeah. so obviously they were they were very impressed with, with your leadership, but given your background, so for the audience, uh, you got your master's in uh, counseling and education but now at Edge Advertising, you're, you're a marketing firm. How did you make that leap? And what, where was your original, like your younger self? What did, who did Diane want to be at that time? Well, the leap really were small steps along the way. And um, I will start off by saying we're an advertising firm. You do not find many small businesses that really want to do the marketing. They want to hop into advertising without really studying their market. But uh, we work with them as well as we can, but we definitely are an advertising firm developing ways in which you can reach your target market. Um, so really, I work in higher ed after graduating with my master's and um, in a counseling role initially and then in a marketing role as, as I worked in admissions and, and marketing the university. So um, my husband actually finished his MBA and that took us to Minneapolis. He worked for Pillsbury. And so that was um, a new environment. And, and I looked around and said, okay, what, you know, what does this offer me? And at the time, there were over a hundred corporations that were headquartered in Minneapolis. So um, I thought to get into human resources. It seemed like the next kind of step in dealing with people, taking in my counseling and education skills. I worked in student or employee recruitment initially, having come out of student recruitment, and um, then got into management and human resources. And then ultimately they sent me here to Rochester to manage a branch. Wow. So I was going along the way really made sense. It seems like a leap, but um, it, it really was a slow step. 
I, I love your uh, point about uh, small steps to, to get to, to, to where you are, um, because I think a lot of people think that it takes that leap, right? So you clarifying that it was actually small steps and kind of taking that direction forward, I think is awesome. What do you think was your first step, though, in your career and your development? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the higher education piece. What was that first step? Like, what is what is your mission statement that you said, this is what who Diane is and this is who I want to become? That working at the university, they utilized me right away. I was speaking to large groups. I was traveling, representing the institution. And uh, I guess I it made me acknowledge the fact that I like that. And I didn't fear that. A lot of people would say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be put in that position. And so just solidified that that was one of the gifts that I've been given. And I know the better you use your gifts, the more fulfilled you are. Got that right, Diane. And I, I know you give a lot. Um, you've given me a lot of advice over the past, uh, I don't know, eight months. And um, what have you taken? <laughs> yes. And um, I was going to ask you so I know you network a ton. You know, I call you the queen of chambers, too, just from all the chambers <laughs> that you're in. <laughs> and um, so, what's the first question you ask somebody when you first meet them to kind of get to know them? Well, you know, it's more contextual than uh, than having my set questions because many times when I'm out and about, you might walk into a conversation that's already going. So it's just sort of fitting in. And I think that ties back into my comfort level in dealing with people. Um, I don't have to be practiced necessarily. You know, I can listen to what's going on and, and come up with a relevant question at the time. Right. That does help. And I, I, I kept seeing this, uh, it seems, uh, again, through through kind of our, our research and reading about Diane and, and really learning about who you are as a person. The common thread was that you have um, attention to detail, um, which I think is very important but also that you know how to bring out the best in someone. You mentioned um, using our gifts or our strengths and finding those. What is your greatest interpersonal skill that you feel has facilitated you to become this expert leader that you are today to, to, for this thriving edge advertising group that you're co-owner of? What is your greatest interpersonal skill or asset? Well, you know, I would say it is an asset and it's energy. And I know that I have a lot, <laughs> like Tyler, right? That's <laughs> and a while back, I, I, I had been at, at a physical with my doctor, and he thought he heard a murmur. And he said, gee, you know, I want to have a heart doctor look at your heart. And I was like, oh. And I remember it was right before Christmas time, and I was so worried about it. And right before I went to the appointment, he called the phone. He said, oh, you, you don't have to go to the appointment. So we got your blood work back and you're low in iron. And he said, what I heard was a viscosity difference. So I, I told my neighbor and she goes, oh, and I said, well, wouldn't I know if I was low in iron, wouldn't I see that in my energy level? He said, well, your body adjusts over time. You know, you might not until you feel a lot better. So I told my neighbor and she goes, Oh no, more energy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's never a bad thing to have a lot of energy. People get excited about it. I think they definitely feed off that excitement. 
<laughs> What's um? You mentioned uh, you mentioned your secret sauce being energy, which I think is my, my mom. Uh, she was just up the other weekend, and this woman is sixty four years old and runs circles around me. They leave for the weekend. I am full recovery mode for multiple days because I'm like, man, you move. Um, but energy, when you're kind of approaching that initial conversation and introduction, what tidbits of advice would you give our audience to, to, to really find that passion that they're passionate about to really draw that out to help others um, find their strengths as well? So how do I, well, um, you know what? You, you, you give them room to lead and whether you're dealing with volunteers in an organization or your staff, it, it's, you mentioned details a little earlier. Um, it's sometimes that's known as a gender characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> right guys? Yes. Um, and, and I try to keep that piece in check because I think I got that one down. <laughs> <laughs> But in doing that, sometimes you do what others should be doing or could be doing. And so you really, uh, or I have to sort of rein in to give others space so they can show their energy and their gifts. You know me, I have a little bit of energy and it, it is nice to uh, to not be the, the man of the hour all the time, you know, to, to let others to fill, let others fill the room up to share their ideas. And that's what I've learned about me in the past few years, at least. But um, Diana, we, we were wanting to ask you, so you've been in the advertising business for a while. What, what do you think the keys are to advertising in 2021 coming out of a pandemic? I, I, we would just like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, one baseline, which businesses don't want to hear, they, um, when you approach a business and trying to help them, they want a quick fix. Yeah. And, and they want to know what's one thing they can do to, you know, turn the corner. And there isn't one thing. It takes multiple forms of communication consistently over time to do it. But also what they don't like to hear is the fact that in today's digital world, they have to be digitally ready for the attention that they're gonna earn. And that takes time and money to do. Mm -hmm. And so what we frequently find, especially dealing with the small to mid-sized businesses, they haven't um, paid attention to all the details over time. Uh, they've had multiple people working on their digital presence, which can be social media and websites and their organizational listings they belong to. And what all that does is it confuses the search engine. There mm -hmm. is just a variety of information out there about them. It's not consistent. And so when they start driving traffic, which almost close to 100% will hit the online world before they call or go into mm -hmm. a business. Mm -hmm. Agents then confuse them and don't get them to the right place. So before you put money into advertising, you need to clean your house before the party. <laughs> yes. I say the same thing from, from the human resources perspective, right? I, I see I say the same thing is that um, seemingly organizations right now are very challenged to bring back the workforce. Some are, are having an easier time than others. 
but it's constantly looking exteriorly um, instead of interiorly. Um, and, and really understanding that first you want to probably get your home in order. I love your analogy there. Before you start welcoming others into your home, you need to make sure that it's clean, it's to their liking, the temperature is accurate and correct. I love, I love that analogy. The one thing that uh, I wanted to ask you, because you're in advertising, and, and just like the multi-generational workforce that we have today, communication across those, those age gaps um, seems to be very, very different um, from the outside looking in. What have you found to be the keys in advertising to multi-generations externally uh, for these organizations? Well, we really have a very fragmented communication system today. And one thing what we're doing today adds to it. And at the same time, we are being told more recently that we as humans are not good multitaskers. So when you're trying to represent a business and choosing the right channel in which to do that, it's, it's difficult because you're leaving a lot behind when you're making that channel decision. So therefore it reinforces the idea that you have to go out with many, many different channels. And really today we're finding a lot of maybe the traditional age segments are more diverse because of all, probably because of all the selections. The playing field is a little more um, established today across the board. But we, um, a lot of our businesses heavily focus on sort of the, the adult consumer, like 35 to 55. And we have found that, of course, the digital age has taken over from the, the print radio and television days. The, all the online channels are very important. Diane, what's the, what's, what's the coolest project you've ever worked on? I know you, you've had some, uh, some business overseas and whatnot. Is there any one, one project that sticks out in your mind? What, one that I really liked, um, just because the reinforcement piece at the end of it. Uh, typically, when we talk to a business, we say, you can look at three to six months out and being consistent that you'll start to see some changes. And it was a new client that came to us. It happened to be retail. They wanted a quick turnaround because it was holiday season. And what we did for them ended up being their revenue because of their point of sale system. The feedback was that 80% of their revenue during the holiday was new dollars from new customers. From you. I have to say, I have a team working on it. I can't do all that graphic design and website coding. Um, yeah, I mean, so that, that was very, you know, rewarding. Awesome, awesome. And you mentioned team. What, what's your favorite part about being a, a partner or a, or a co-owner in a company, Diane? Well, yeah, working with the team because everybody brings something different and especially within our group because there are specific skills to build these advertising mediums that I don't have. I am not a graphic designer. I am not a web developer, like I had mentioned. And, and so and an audio production engineer, having those people to do that, which also 
it enables me to also sit back a little more and let them do what they're gifted to do because it's, there's no competition here with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you mentioned something really important. You, you mentioned teamwork. You mentioned um, uh, taking a back seat as a leader. And I think like your, your comment earlier about males versus females and kind of that ego conversation, I think it's the, the, the whole idea, of, again, nature over nurture. Um, my, my question to you, though, as a leader, how do you, have you built that safe space where your employees feel comfortable and confident that no idea is a bad idea and they can share whatever they need because it means the greater uh, for the betterment of the company as a whole and for the offerings that you offer the, the your clients or prospects even what how do you how have you created that safe space for your employees that really has allowed you to flourish um, in advertising well i try to hold off and critiquing it right away I, I try to start off with questions so I understand the idea more fully. If it's something that um, I don't feel can, can work, I give it time before I express that. And also, I try to go to the approach, okay, I don't maybe think it can work right now, but how can we make it work? So just trying to reward the process and be open to doing things that are very different than what I've done in the past. Hmm. Hmm. That's, that's, that's really powerful. How we, how we can all make it work. And the, the, the key phrase in there, we, I think is so important too. Um, so today um, you're, you're a leader of an organization. You have the background in education and seemingly like uh, counseling as well. How do you apply what you learned um, in getting that master's program to your, the way that you approach leadership as a co-owner? Like, how does that how does that factor into the conversations or the wording that you use? What did you learn back then that you're finding applicable today? Well, definitely listening from the, the counseling background, and and also to be able to quickly absorb what's being said and summarizing it and feeding it back in, in different terms so the person can acknowledge that I'm understanding it correctly or have the opportunity to correct me. And also the educational background, just the methodology of how you roll things out, um, the information flows, the sequencing of it, the reinforcement of it, the review of it, the reiteration of it, all comes from the didactical background as well. So um, back to the uh, queen of chambers, <laughs> like the queen of dragons that we saw in the very popular show, Game of Thrones. When you're rolling over to one of the 15 chambers that you're a member of, and you're building up that energy, Diane, and you're like, I need to get ready for this meeting. What song is on max volume when you're pulling into the parking lot? <laughs> You know what? I listen to a lot of talk radio. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, any favorites? Um, you know what? I listen to Wham quite a bit. Um, not that I agree with everything I hear on it, but I feel it, it um, sort of hits the topics in the area that are being discussed. And so then it sort of sets your mind to look for more information on those specific topics. Um, you know, I, I do prepare before going into meetings. It may be um, looking up maybe names that 
people I've recently met or haven't personally met yet and I'm going to come in contact with, trying to, you know, reflect on their background, remembering their name. Also, from other smaller group meetings, like before going into a chamber meeting, review what we have accomplished, what is on our agenda moving forward in the next month, so I can speak to it at a higher level and therefore also get more people on board and getting the support needed to pull off those goals. So that that's really the preparation I do more than the music preparation. <laughs> maybe, okay. maybe I should start trying that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rolling in with some Metallica, maybe on full blast. People will be like, who is that lady? I want to talk to her. I love that energy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you, you do have the energy, Diane. I don't know how you have time to do all this, but... um. And like I keep saying, you, you've given me so much advice over the past few months, Diane. And I wanted to ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. It's um, maybe in the surface, it doesn't come out as much. Well, it's actually two, two pieces. One was um, a, a, one of our executives at Honeywell said, you always have one chance to lose your reputation. So when you're talking about being prepared, you know, you your attention to detail then. You can't necessarily take that lightly. Um, the other piece more operationally, I used to have a boss that would drive me nuts because he would triple book himself. And I kept saying, why do you do this? And he said, invariably things fall off and they do. And even when things get maybe overwhelming because of all the action items you have to take care of or the meetings that are on your calendar, things do change, priorities readjust. And if it doesn't look good today, plan out looking different when you wake up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right, so he would, he would triple book his meetings knowing that people would fall off. Is that what you said? That's what he said, yeah. He would triple book knowing that someone's gonna fall off. Interesting methodology. I'm, just, I'm going to start doing that. It could get interesting if all three show up. I'm not sure how you talk yourself out of that. But uh, you mentioned reputation. What do you? Th how have you been able to build the brand of Diane locally? Um, Rochester is sometimes jokingly referred to as the good old boys club. How have you been able to break in? And how have you been able to find your difference uh, or competitive advantage to really break into here in Rochester? Well, yeah, I really felt that when I came here and I've never, I've lived in two different places in Pennsylvania. I lived in Minnesota and I've lived here. I've really never been a part of a community that was so country club oriented and, and with golfing as the main focus. And it just so happens that my business partner is one of the top golfers. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it snows ten months out of the year in Minnesota, maybe that's why. But uh, it snows all, it snows what nine months out of the year here. So uh, who knows? That's good. I'm a skier, so that is good. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. I just remember thinking about that though, and seeing him as the golfer, and, and having grown up here. I have not grown up here. I'm not the golfer, even though I have tried very much. <laughs> um, you know, and I thought, you know, how am I? Back to your question, how am I going to get interconnected and make my statement here? And it was really through being open to accepting 
roles and responsibilities in a variety of organizations like chambers, networking groups, um, nonprofit volunteering, you know, it, that being willing to sign up to do things beyond my own world that really connected me. And is that one where we talk about comfort zone? Um, we talk about everybody being in their comfort zone. It sounds like you're constantly challenging yourself, um, taking on roles like back in high school for the Beavers. I mean, you did 15 different things for the high school and granted it was a 10 town to 10,000, but has that always been you? Have you always been seeing just ways that you can improve yourself personally and professionally? I really looked at it that way. It goes back to my energy and it's almost like, okay, now what am I going to do to fill my time? I mean, I just, I constantly find myself getting involved in all those things just because I know I have energy to do it. And I take on those roles. I even take on those kind of roles within my friend group. And I, I even, as I go back to Pennsylvania and to visit, a lot of my friends will say, well, we haven't seen each other since you've been here last, you know, just because they wait for me to come and call me. <laughs> Diane, where do you think that energy comes from? <laughs> the good Lord. I don't like asking that question because I get that question asked to me a lot and I have no clue, you know, besides my, my mother probably, you know, she was the lady who got all pumped up to go to the dang grocery store type <laughs> lady. So, uh, so you have no idea where it comes from either? Well, a cousin of mine just reminded me this week that when I was a baby, she called up the doctor and said, this newborn has been up for 24 hours. What are we <laughs> And Kevin's about to be a dad, so I'm sure he loves to hear that. Man, I better start sleeping for 24 hours straight now while I get the chance. Well, you have a babysitter here that'll be outside. Perfect. Don't offer, because I might take you up on it. My northern mom, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The northern motherly uh, figure that you are. You could go back um, and tell yourself, Diane, one thing, your younger self that was up for 24 hours straight. What would you tell yourself? Probably listen more. Even though I've talked a lot about listening, I have to re constantly remind myself because I can talk. We all can. <laughs> I mean, we're never short of words either ourselves, so we could talk all day if we had to. When you are uh, getting out of bed, though, um, and kind of creating this, this, you got the opportunity to create your own company, and, and we all talk about missions, visions, values. What are your core principles or most valuable um, value, like the values that you think are most important to a successful business, but also a leader? Well, you know, I, I base what I do on my Christian faith. And I think that carries me through and how I treat people and how I direct my own life. That leads to the integrity that I exercise and feel it's important, just like you, your father was saying with your last name. And and how important that is to do the right thing and uphold that that image in that name that people have been building up for generations before you. And that that definitely is is the foundational piece. And from there I look at what's placed before me on any given day as served to me to do something with. Mm -hmm. And so that then, you know, when I confronted or I'm asked to do something, I hop on it because I feel like it that has been directed to me and mm -hmm. then use whatever gifts I can to be able to accomplish that. I love the faith 
the faith piece is so important, right? Because there's difference between um, the Sunday goers um, that go for that hour just to check the box and then they're leaving the parking lot and they'll probably hit you if you're in their way. Um, <laughs> how, uh, how, what other ways do you think faith and like religion and kind of you're actually listening on those Sundays when you're hearing the sermons, it sounds like, and applying it and seeing what strength God has given you what what do you think how else do you think you apply your faith to to leadership well disappointments that come along and in the business world you know they can they can come frequently and and trying to separate my mindset from those types of experiences so that i can quickly move on to the next next task at hand versus being drugged down but and, and when something when a big deal, say you lose that on a, on a big deal, how do you keep your team motivated over there? I know you're, you have the energy to move on quickly, but you, you find yourself have to, to kind of drag others with you to get over that, you know, big loss per se. Luckily we have a lot of tasks on everybody's plate all the time. So really we can always focus on the future and what, and what's at hand in the next step. And we communicate a lot. And so we are always in agreement with, okay, what are our priorities for the day? And because our team produces the actual communications that we use in advertising, there's a lot of checkpoints. And so there is a lot of back and forth evaluating and, and approving to move ahead on different items. So um, that helps. And then also any kind of successes and customer feedback or just any kind of metric that points to the positive, make sure we share that with the whole team and point out who was responsible, who was involved in making that happen and really give that, that credence to those people. Music to my ears. I say that all the time. It's, it's so uh, damning, I think, when uh, leaders want to take an idea from their team and then present it as their own. Because um, I think that's the quickest way to get them to that creativity, um, the engagement to, to be theoretically cut off. Um, you talked about kind of developing this team and, and, and kind of winning as one uh, mentality. We understand the, one of the fundamental building blocks of that is trust. How do you quickly build trust both in networking, the queen of chambers, but also as a co-owner there at Edge Advertising, how do you quickly develop trust with somebody else? Well, just watching what is done and, and when it is done. And I've experienced this probably even more so in the volunteer world. Um, you learn who you can trust to do what they say they're going to do. And, um, you know, first time shame on you, second time shame on me. So, uh, you know, allow others to do their part and stay tuned with, with the results and take that into account when you're, you need the help the next time and who's the best for that job. You know, people always ask me, you know, the same question, how do you build trust? And I, I just show, tell them kind of what you say, Diane, I, I show up when I, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, I think I've, you've, you've told that about me, about to a few folks. If you could write a book, what would it be? And what would it be? What would the title be? Actually, I would like to write a children's book about Penn State memories. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. We are. What? That would be awesome. <laughs> um, but let's see. Um, 
finding you would be the title because no matter how capable anybody seems to be they have something they're contributing that's one of the biggest that's one of the biggest things that I know Tyler and I have learned from doing this podcast and we've we're our fourth guest and we're so excited to uh, to share your wisdom and insights with our, with our listeners but it's amazing what everybody in this world has to teach someone one thing um, from their life experiences, their past, things that they've learned the hard way. Uh, lead by example is another trait trait that we we hear about. Um, we hear this idea of mentors, um, and, and that seems to be like you're you're you're, you're uh, Tyler's northern mother, so obviously you're <laughs> a mentor to Tyler specifically. Um, but I noticed also um, with other people that have worked up through internships for you. Um, they refer to you as, again, the attention to detail, but more importantly, your idea of towards mentorship and the power of mentorship. Who is Diane's mentor? I, I use a lot of people as mentors. Um, and because I do perceive that everybody has some level of contribution. I even have one customer who's very faith-based oriented and Utilize that customer many times in one-on-one -on -one conversations to bounce things off of because I know we come from the, the, the same foundation. Um, even little children and, and even my, my kids with, without the experience that I've had, they have wisdom to share and, and they see the world differently than I see it and it never ceases to amaze me something that they'll say really triggers my thought in a different direction. Glad to hear that, Diane. And uh, I was just wanted to ask you, what would Diane McClure do if she knew she couldn't fail at it? Scuba dive. Scuba dive? Scuba dive? What is that failure scuba dive? Death? Is that, is, that, <laughs> is, that, is that the failure? I love the water. I mean, I love the water. I could be in water every day. But... <laughs> I, I also panic and, and so I don't perceive that that's a good trait <laughs> in because that's the last thing <laughs> because it would be all pretty much all me. I mean, I'm sure someone, you know, a trainer down there would be, but yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> and live to tell the tale. Yeah. yeah. So if I could control the panic, I would love to try to do Okay. What would be one skill that you would love to acquire if you could and wake up tomorrow and be an expert in? You know, a, a skill of being a little more futuristic. Um, because I do pay attention to the details. Also, because I listen to talk radio and not, and not so much the music. Because I would choose to read non-fiction versus fiction, uh, I feel that I really have not used that piece of my brain as much as I could. And the idea that we only use 10% of our brains in our life, I feel there's some resources there that I really could. Definitely. <laughs> I'd like to get that other 90% fire in myself. <laughs> so the whole, I, I feel that that's tied with being more futuristic skill of really imagining for the future. So that's something that I could work on. 
And I think that's important for, for business, right? Is like uh, we mentioned adaptation. We met, met, mentioned change. You mentioned from going from uh, more digital now than you've ever seen before and kind of paper and the typical ways that we've been doing it previously um, are no longer as fruitful as they once were. Um, one of the things that you also mentioned earlier about talk radio, you mentioned that you didn't love everything that they talked about, right? And I, and seemingly, I think that's that's kind of where the rest of the, the country is right now. We have a very divided country, and I'm not getting into politics, but you've seen from an advertising perspective, media is obviously under a, a lot of scrutiny right now because they tend to put their own spin or flair on stories. From an advertising angle, how do these market or how do these media companies rebuild that trust with the general public so we don't have that distrust and we can actually tune in at six o'clock? They need to get back to reporting on the facts and less speculation. I just I really tire of the news that, well, maybe this would happen, or we're wondering if this. I want to hear what what did just happen. And then also just having that investigatory approach that if you don't know what has happened, if the media has the people they can send out to really spend time digging into it more. Uh, with, with our local media centers, and it's happened across the whole United States, they, the loss of employees has been tremendous. And this happened way before COVID. Mm -hmm. And a, lo a lot of it, they're dependent upon agencies like us to deliver mm -hmm. the news. And, and that's been a plus for us because public relations is one of the services that we deliver and they are dependent on our stories. So we, our customers make the stories and we put the stories together and then we deliver them to the media and, and they make choices on, on what they're gonna run from that. And that's great, but also I think it's the media has sort of backed off in that whole investigatory Assumptions are so dangerous. Aren't always heard as assumptions because people do try to multitask today and don't do it well. And people skim when they read versus reading. And and so an assumption is is offered, and they might not have heard that as an assumption. They might walk away with that thinking that was a fact. So it mm -hmm. just promotes a lot of wrong information about mm -hmm. that. So as we're wrapping up, I think Tyler's got one more for you. And then uh, we're going to jump into the last segment here, which is one of our favorites. And we know uh, that you'll get a kick out of it. Uh -oh. <laughs> Birthday present angle. Did you ever have a favorite Nittany Lion? <laughs> was it Kajana <laughs> Carter? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that last? Oh, a Nittany Lion pl player? Yeah, I was going to get you a, a football jersey for your birthday, Diane, and I just need to know which one. <laughs> oh, boy. Where's my husband when I need him? <laughs> um, um, let me see. I should be able to pull this out. <laughs> you know, my sister's favorite is Saquon Barkley, and now she's a, a Giants yeah, fan now, too. <laughs> um, Flutie. All right. All right. <laughs> right. There we go. So, Diane, I, as we're wrapping up, uh, I wanted to just kind of call out some of the things that we learned from you is the, the importance of teamwork, um, the importance of empowering your employees, but always day in, day out. I think the critical piece that you shared with us is bring the energy. Every day is a new day, but bring the energy and people will be excited to want to be around you. 
As we head into the last part of the show, um, we like to ask our guests the stereotypical interview questions that you are probably asking some hopefuls to come and work for you there at Edge Advertising, and maybe some of the same questions that you did for Honeywell. Tyler, what is your first interview question? Well, my first interview question for you, Diane, would be, uh, give me a time that you had a stressful situation, and how did you handle it? Um, well, probably the most stressful situation was the loss of my daughter. And how I handled it was through submission. Um, the, the world had to go on, and people rushed in and picked up our world. And for someone who's used to doing it and leading it, that's a tough thing. But, but at those moments, there was no other choice because all your energy is taken away from you. So submission was the lesson. Wow. So we talked about a ton of your um, strengths. We talked about um, obviously what has made you an effective leader. So my question to you is that we always focus on our strengths and, and sometimes people put more energy focusing on their weaknesses. What is the one weakness that you have identified that you would like to turn into a strength? One weakness really can be that the details. And especially when I want to build futuristic skills, I need to get out of the weeds. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, de detail oriented can help me achieve at times, but also it can hold you back. So there has to be a good balance and you have to know when to back off at what time. Mm -hmm. Paralysis from over analysis is what I always say. <laughs> well, Diane, I know I've enjoyed my time with you. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for introducing me to your northern mother here. I can understand why uh, you have uh, gravitated to such an empower, uh, impactful individual like yourself, Diane. So thank you so much. Yes, I will. Uh, my wife will vet you out, I'm sure. She'll ask you a few questions of her own, but uh, we might take you up on that for a future date night. So I, I love babies. All right. Well, sign yourself up, Diane. Mondays and Tuesdays, I think we have an opening. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Diane. You, it was a pleasure, and we appreciate it so much. And thanks for sharing our story with Time Out for Leaders. And everybody, please join us next week again for another awesome, incredible leader. Um, but this week, Diane, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much again for your time. You're welcome. It was fun, you guys. All, All right, right, Diane. So. We'll see you. Thank you, Diane.